In 2021, Talk About It Outdoors partnered with an industry-leading brand that has stamped its name on the outdoor industry. Cruiser Saddles in itself stands on perfection, and with every climb we make, we elevate ourselves above the rest. In addition to a support to our hunting journey, the men and women behind Cruiser believe in the same principles of life as us. Faith, family, and the blessings of being better as they go in every sit. If your desire to pursue your passions one step ahead of the rest, go ahead and get in the best. Check them out on all the socials or head over to their website at www.cruiser.com. That's C-R-U-Z-R.com. And tell them to talk about it outdoors, boys, and Chasing Weekends sent you their way. The journey of life has a unique way of being able to create tried and true friendships as we go. In forming those relationships, oftentimes good things come to follow. Talk About It Outdoors is proudly supported by Cal Hardy of Arrowhead Land Company. Cal is the leading broker over Georgia and is happy to assist you with finding the place where you can call home. With vast knowledge and an understanding of the ever-evolving real estate market and a unique old-school approach to everything he does, he exemplifies what it means to treat others like you'd want to be treated. Don't settle for being just another number in a phone. Choose Cal Hardy for all your land, home, and commercial real estate needs and become a part of his family. We sure are blessed to have him as a part of ours. Find him on Facebook, Instagram, or give him a call at 770-296-2163. Step back to the times when a feed store was more than just that, and the people inside smiled with friendly faces and provided a place for a talk on life, as well as all your essential farm, livestock, and pet needs. Cherokee Feed the Seed located in Ball Ground, Georgia, with an additional location in Gainesville, are the hometown supplier of all your cattle, equine, and pet needs, with the added addition of being able to keep your deer herd healthy with protein and minerals. They also carry an assortment of hunting blinds and gear, and you can rest easy knowing the people that support local ball clubs and children's sports are who your hard-earned money is going to. The people here greet you with a handshake and a smile, and Cherokee Feed and Seed give more than just a product. They give you a welcome that'll make you return time and time again. Stop in next time you're in the area and tell them you're part of the Talk About It Outdoors family. A few years back, when an overbearing and overgrown backyard became an eyesore, I looked for a solution to resolve. LRS Land Services created a stunning and complete transformation turnkey at an affordable price with their mulching services. Not limited to mulching, LRS can provide turnkey grading and clearing, maintenance, right-of-way clearing, and even development for any and all forestry needs. With an innovative outlook on what is best for your land and a completely different approach than others, LRS can transform your overgrown eyesore into a beautiful landscape of your dreams. Give them a call at 404-889-1105 or check their work out on Facebook at LRS Land Services. Logan and his team are ready to make your land brand new again. Building the foundation of your life starts at the base, and the stronger it is, the better. 
Talk About It Outdoors is proud of our strong partnership with United Concrete and Paving and the foundation of support they provide. Whether your new home being built needs concrete work or that driveway you're tired of beating all the bearings from your pickup needs a paving, Michael and his team can provide any residential or commercial project support you might need from the ground up. If you're tired of tripping over that unsettled patio slab or a future shop build needs a smooth start, United Concrete and Paving can get you going when you need it most. Give them a call at 404-831-3036 and make sure you tell them them TAI boys are where you heard it first. Ready, Nick? Alex, kick this thing off. All right, everybody, talk about it outdoors live in the Wilson studio. Alex and Nick and our good buddy, R.P. Scritchfield, teaching us how to keep our powder dry and stretch one out. Hey, we're talking about the Flintlock Grand Slam, son. I don't know if there's many out there that's completed it, but I cannot wait to hear all about this one. We're going to have all kinds of fun. We're flying out west, going up north, kicking it way down south to Florida. Nick's over here jonesing in the chair right now. R.P.'s bouncing off the walls. It's going to be a good time for sure. Y'all pull up a chair instead of a while. Nicholas, if there's one thing that's came out of meeting our old buddy RP, it's give us an opportunity to talk to a lot of people and ask that fabled question, do you hunt with a flintlock? I've asked several myself. <laughs> I think everybody that's came on the show, you, you're from Pennsylvania, you hunt with the flintlock. We got old buddy. We just look at one another as soon as they say. <laughs> yeah, because we know the question's coming. Uh, has there been an, a more mentioned name on our show than RP? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I think every time it turns around, we're like, RP's doing this or RP's doing that. But, hey, I tell you what, it's been a lot of fun to, to talk about him. He's one of our biggest fans. And we now we get Absolutely. to talk to him. He's probably the top five. Uh, he probably taught, yeah, but top three. We boot Watson out. He'd be in the top two. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, everybody, you know, you've watched our Instagram posts. You've seen him on social media. You've seen what he's doing. Uh, R.P. Scritchfield from Scritchfield Knives out in Texas now, formerly of Louisiana, formerly of Pennsylvania. He might have lived in Canada or a week or two. I'm not sure. The boys down at uh, Between the Tines called him, what was it, a coon? Uh, no, it was a uh, shit eater. What the hell they called you? So <laughs> our shit-eating buddy is back with us again, and we cannot wait to hear all about it. So, R.P., welcome back, buddy. Thanks, guys. Man, it's good to see y'all. It's been a while. I feel like I've uh, been in a hole for the last two months. <laughs> what you been up to, buddy? Uh, I think you know. Lots of driving, <laughs> lots of turkey shooting, lots of staring at birds, tons of gobbles. How many miles have you put on that uh, on that vehicle since you started uh, this uh, journey? I think 8,300, something like that. Oh, hell, I wouldn't even have left the house if I couldn't do no more than that. <laughs> <laughs> it was enough, I promise. When Now, for anyone who doesn't know um, – RP set a goal for himself, and he was on in an earlier episode uh, with us and kind of told his backstory and everything, which right off the rip, we had a great conversation and a great, you know, meeting with him. Uh, Nick and Cody got to run in and hang out with him a little bit in Nashville uh, and spend some time with him, got to see those fabled knives. 
And before we get too far into it, if you're interested in seeing one of those knives, we're actually doing a giveaway right now that RP was gracious enough to donate for the KT team this year. So head over to our Instagram, Facebook page, shoot us a message. If you're interested in winning that knife, you can check it out. And uh, it's $10 entry, and we'll you know we'll be more than happy to see you a spot at it. But RP, and thanks thanks to you for that. We, uh, we surely appreciate it, and those guys did as well. Uh, my pleasure. He took over the booth up there in Nashville, son, and was helping us out big time. That's good. And he stuck those knives up in that old pecan, uh, poplar wood, whatever. Pecan, it is. you got pecan, it. Yeah, you had it right. Pecan wood, and man, at the I was a little nervous about sticking it in. So <laughs> <laughs> y'all sure you want me stab it in this table here? Well, we found some good cracks, but man, it was a it draw a lot of attention. Man, he stuck those knives up there, and people would come by, and I don't know if they were more impressed with the knives or those spurs on that one bird. But yeah, um, yeah, that's a giant. It was a it was a pleasure having you up there, and he'll he hung out all weekend with us and cast <coughs> shirts out and gave us all a shirt. And one of our recent buddies that'll be on a future episode um, recently just killed his slam, and he had his RP Scritchfield t shirt on. I did Come notice. On. I did notice that. Yep, did he? Yep. That's what R- I'm talking about. Yep. All right. Well. Yep. Hey, I tell you I got what, to get those pictures. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had definitely have to get Hunter to send one over that. But it's uh it's been fun getting to talk with you. And you and I have had a lot of do- a long conversations late at night as you've journeyed through this adventure. And I guess the biggest question would be right out of the gate is why? You know, why why did you decide to do uh, the attempt at a slam with a flintlock? Because I'm an idiot. No, <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's I don't. I kind of lost, not, I didn't lose interest in killing birds, but I I got to where I just like calling birds. It wasn't a big deal. If I shot a turkey, I usually kill one, one a year. And then the rest of the time I'm sitting behind somebody telling them, don't, don't effing move. He's coming, whatever, you know, whispering those whispers, but get down, just the challenge of it. (laughs) It it felt like it was time. Like I was presented with an opportunity. I was put up. There was a spotlight shined on me, so to speak for the, turkey knives and i'm like man doing interviews and getting on there with y'all and everything and uh i like flintlock hunting so why not i I couldn't find but one other person that's ever did a flintlock grand slam i don't know if it was done single season or not but it was just to challenge myself and you now anyone who didn't listen to the first episode we did with him go back and listen you can hear where he got his start with all that stuff did you, for anyone who doesn't know, did you use a ball or was it like shot shell coming? No, was it, it was shot? number six. I used copper coated number six. Yep. All right. Yeah, well. I, I managed to find this gun. I, I'll just tell you about the gun. If it, anyhow, uh, I decided I was going to do this and I was in a frantic panic to try to uh, find a, a big, large caliber smoothbore because I killed a bird last year with my 50 cal, but it was with a rifle barrel. Mm-hmm. which if you read the internet says can't be done, but it's just a matter of how close you got to get them. Well, I found out that when I patterned it, that they had to be right around five feet in order for it to work. Right. So I ended up killing a bird with it. He was about four feet away, but I did it. So I knew that wasn't going to work to, you know, go at this to try to attempt this. So I was trying to find a smoothbore gun and, my neighbor's brother-in-law happened to be in town and they were from Michigan. And I told him, man, they got some guys up there that still shoot muzzleloaders and stuff. I need a big caliber smooth for He's like, well, let me make a call. 
So he called Mr. Greg and uh, Mr. Greg's like, man, I, I just so happen to have one. They do a lot of civil war reenactments and stuff up there. And he said, I just happen to have one that I'm not going to shoot anymore. I'm getting too old to shoot it. And he told him the story of what I was going to try to do with it and stuff. And basically he gave me a, an amazing deal on probably a four or $5,000 flintlock that I'm almost ashamed, almost ashamed to have taken it out and did the things that I did with it. But it was a great gun and it freaking served its purpose and it shot like a dream. Started uh, your trip in Mississippi. Right, right. Opener in Mississippi. Take us right it into was, it. I got, uh, I got, yeah, I got to hear that the where it got started in that first trip out with that new gun. Man. Well, if before, pay, wait, wait, before we get, ahead. before we go into that, when you patterned it, how many times yeah. did you have to shoot it to figure out how it was shooting? And it, did it shoot way off left or right or up or down? No, it, it was about probably eight inches high. So, which was fine because then I just aim at the beard as opposed to aiming at, at the base of the neck. Um, so I was good with that. It did pretty good. I probably ended up shooting it, I don't know, 15 to 20 times just working out my load. Like um, I kind of figured out pretty quick what my grain powder was. And then it was just a matter of uh, figuring out how much shot that I needed to put in it. And I started out with about half, with about one ounce and I ended at about 2.1 ounces. I figured out real quick that distance was fine like i knew i was going to be shooting right around 20 yards 25 yards i was still really comfortable 30 yards was like i was oh you know kind of comfortable but it was almost a hail mary try to get them 25 and inside which is still that's very reasonable now this is how how many and i, I just want to paint the picture for somebody that may not know how many bbs is in 2.1 2.2 ounces a shot uh, if you rough, I measure it out with, with my powder measure. So it's roughly 160 grains. If no, you I was mean, to measure the, out powder, the pel- I don't know the how pellets. many BBs. You don't know how many yeah, pe- I don't know how many it is. Oh, okay. I don't know. No, I not, just dump them in there. not the powder, the, the pellets, like the, you just poured it too. Oh, okay. All yeah. Right. I measure them with the powder measure. Ah, gotcha. So I don't actually know how many, I just scoop them out with the powder measure because <laughs> I already have it to measure powder. Why did you why did you choose to use number sixes and not like the tungsten or something? Because first off, tungsten, have you priced it? No, no. <laughs> it's nuts. Like okay. I think it's about a hundred dollars a pound and I buy lead, copper coated lead, I got ten pounds for a hundred dollars. That's probably roughly. Why, that's, it's that's probably why five rogue shells are fifty five dollars. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the big thing about that is yeah, I would I would increase my pellet count. Right. But I'm not going to increase my distance because I'm not working with a choke or the pattern is the big thing. So I might extend five or 10 yards, but paying 10 times more when I'm not trying to shoot a bird at 40 yards with that gun. I want them in close and personal and like do the deal with them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So going into the the hunt, you knew your range was going to be 25 yards. That was where you wanted them in in, in closer. Um, Yeah. Well, take us right into it, Mississippi. That's where you began, and when you first yeah. trip out, did it did it kind of seem surreal when you got started on it? Oh, I was cussing myself because I, I don't know if anybody. Well, you've heard Cuz Strickland talking about the Silent Spring and all that. It's real. Like I'm where I hunts roughly about forty five minutes south of where Cuz hunts. 
So I was experiencing all the same stuff that he was experiencing and um, no goblin. Well, to start it off day one, I get there dates the day before we kind of already know I hunt this property a lot. It's Richard Miller. You remember Richard up at the NWTF? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I was hunting his place. And uh, so we kind of know he, he does a lot of work, plants, chufa, does all kinds of stuff. So we knew the general area where would be a good place to start at. So I knew it was going to be rain on day one. I went in, set two blinds up. We got probably a 600 yard uh, food plot. That's probably 50 yards wide that you can see from one end to the other. So I put blinds on either side of it to where I could kind of scope back and forth and watch the bottom while it was raining. I mean, it was raining. I was, I knew I was sitting in a blind, but whatever. So we get in Richard's cameraman for me. We get in day one and 30 minutes into it, birds pitch down into the field, like 40 yards from us. I'm like, Holy crap, giant long beard. Well, I say giant long beard. He didn't have a giant beard, but I got to watch him at 25 yards and he had a giant set of hooks on him. And I'm like, Holy crap, I got to kill this bird. Well, I brushed in the blind and I put sticks and stuff up through the window. We couldn't get the dang camera to focus on it, shooting through those sticks. So at 25 yards, I got a shot on day one, 30 minutes into the hunt. And I can't take a shot because it's not on camera. And I'm still fired up about, I have plenty of chances. I can call birds in, you know, I'm I'm super cock strong going into it. And uh, so I opt to pass him. I'm like, ah, just wait. You know, he's got a harem of hens. Maybe he'll split. There's other birds, whatever. Well, that probably was not the greatest decision. But I learned a lot. So I spent the next daylight till dark in that blind that day. Got up the next day, got back in the blind. Daylight till dark the next day. Never heard a single gobble. Daylight till dark the third day. And I ended up killing the bird on the fourth day. But it was putting pieces of the puzzle together. I watched more hen activity, more hen aggression. I watched hens. That flock ended up busting up. Like, he was the king of the ring in that area. And um, there was no other gobblers around. Nobody was making noise. Nothing was happening over there. He owned it. And he had that harem of hens. But that harem of hens busted up throughout that first day. So I watched those hens. Like, I could watch them come out in the food plots. And that lead hen that was with him, she would come out. Them other hens would come down and start calling and try to group that, get that flock back together. And she would dart, like could physically see those hens and she would leave and he would run right behind her every time. And I know they were doing that to me when I'm calling, like I didn't have a a chance. So that ended up making me like change my whole philosophy on turkey hunting. It, I got to the point where I realized in order to kill this big mature bird, I was going to have to do what I didn't like to do and get in front of him and wait him out. But I'm on a time frame. I done talked all this noise about I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And all that's playing in my head. So I went into kill mode. Like I got to kill this bird. I got to get it done in Mississippi. So coincidentally on day four, right at daylight, well, like an hour before daylight, a crazy storm comes in. I mean, it's bad. We were thinking, the house was going to blow down bad. Well, I'm laying in bed at like three o'clock because I can't go to sleep because the storm's so bad. And I seen like a 15 minute break at like 4:30 in the morning where I could get into the blind. Well, 
I roosted this bird the night I say I roosted him. He was like 60 yards from me for two hours in the evening. And my story is getting kind of scattered apart. The day before, let me jump back. The day before, it, it was so much of a learning curve. Um, so he was he was drumming down below me, probably 80 yards. I could hear him for two hours. And I'm purring and doing all this, you know, just trying to old school, barely talk to him because I'm watching this hand aggression, thinking if I make too much noise, she's gone. I don't have a prayer. So finally, I get the wild idea, like, I'm just going to start spitting and drumming. Maybe I can get him. Maybe I can fire him up and he'll come up here and want to kick somebody's butt. So I start. (laughs) Out of nowhere, these freaking velociraptors come running up from the other side. These hens come running in. I mean, they were fired up to get with him. They heard me drumming and came from probably 400 yards off in the opposite direction. Run straight up. They're 10 yards in front of me. A purr and putt run down to about 400 yards. Then they could hear him drumming. So they run back up to me and finally get in there. And I hear a hen fight for probably 30 minutes. They went at it. Those hens were going nuts at each other. Just, I can only imagine what was happening because I could hear them physically fighting. Well, I heard them all going to roost and they're like 70 yards from me in that blind. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. So now we jump forward to the storm hit, all that stuff. I'm right there on the corner of the food plot. Like anywhere they hit the ground, they got to be within 50 yards of me. So like, I got a really good shot of this bird just do, to doing in front of me. So I had that 15 minute window. I shoot out there, get out, no rain, no nothing. It starts to break daylight a little bit and the bottom drops out of it again, just torrential downpour. And then daylight hits and the sky's clear. Like it was meant to be. And uh, Richard texts me. He's like, man, you heard him yet? I'm like, no, nah, I ain't heard nothing about that time. Hens start pitching out, pitching out, pitching out. All the hens, that whole flock got back together on day four. All the hens pitch out, walk out in front of me. Richard's like, you still ain't heard him? So the hens are in front of me now, walking straight in front of me. He's like, well, get ready. He's coming. Oh, yeah. Well, I hear a pterodactyl <laughs> fly off the limb. When he hits the ground, he just kind of <laughs> like knocked the air out of himself and gobbles. Sure enough, here he comes, walking right up, 22 yards, payow. It's over, game on. Number one down. So, so uh, now for everybody that doesn't realize the rain aspect in this, and and I yeah. said in that opening, <laughs> they're keeping you powder dry. Yeah, there there's no moisture play in this in this gun game. No. If you get no, any was, kind of in there, so it's over with. Prep work. There was so much prep work. Like every day, I carried a box of Ziploc gallon Ziploc bags with me. I taped all my lock and everything up every day. Electric tape wrapped the bag around it. I made a little leather. There's a fake leather wrap for it and, and sprayed it with some kind of waterproofing stuff. Like, got to tape your barrel up, end of your barrel, and then all that has to come off before you shoot. Like, even in the blind, there's a lot of moisture. So I kept it till just about the last moment. You know, once the hens started pitching out, I'm scrambling to try to get everything opened up and get ready to go. So it's not just sit there and wait on a bird and shoot him. You know, it was – it was kind of chaotic. Now, that gun, when you're done for the day, you, you've loaded it before you leave the house, all except for you paying, right? Correct, correct. When you're done for the day, how do you unload it? Or, I leave it loaded. Okay. That's why I spend so much time and effort into making sure that powder stays dry inside of it because that load might have to stay in there for a couple of days. Was so that, as long as it's dry, it's good. 
was that ever a fear in that in that the beginning that it would... <laughs> anytime you draw a bead with a flintlock that's the first thought <laughs> in your mind is this stupid thing gonna go off um so first hunt successful we we talked yes. to you you know after that first one got down you let us know back home or did you continue on the road no so well first off that was a giant he had he was just shy inch and 17 inch and seven sixteenths fur so he's just shy inch and a half my biggest bird to date like he's a stud he didn't have much beard i think he had nine and three quarter maybe right at 10 inch beard but man he had a set of hooks and they were so sharp he's an awesome bird true trophy some good knives Oh yeah. Well, it'll get one for the little display I'm doing for, uh, for the grand slam or whatever. But, Did you, uh, is that the only bird you had in that area? Was there a lot of other birds? No. So I, I ended up leaving. I, we'll get into that, but Richard, um, we kind of joked around about now that the King's gone, everybody else is going to show back up. And the very next day, less than 24 hours later, they had a super Jake in there with those hands. I say super Jake, he probably had a five inch beard. Uh, so he moved in on those hens right away. And then they had four other long beards come in right after that. And everything started gobbling everything. Like the King's gone. They all moved <laughs> in and probably were fighting and, you know, trying to figure out the new pecking order. Yeah, I'm sure. Is that pretty common? Yeah. Pecking order. Yeah. It, I mean, with yeah. turkeys, oh, yeah. you kill a big one somewhere and they come in. Yeah, especially if he's a fighter. Like, that bird didn't have to do much fighting to kick somebody's butt. Because, for instance, when I hung him up, uh, we hung him, I put a little string around his leg. When we let the weight down, his spur went straight through his leg. Like, just the weight of him pushed his spur through his other leg. I'm like, oh, my God. Dang, but they were that sharp. They were very, very sharp. Yeah. That's, that's damn cool right there to get the first one and have such, you know, the biggest one on this tour. Yeah, I they mean, killed right two the more after I left right there in that same area because he was down. That's pretty damn yep. cool. I think that's the bird. I'm pretty sure that's the bird that I've been hunting up there for a couple of years. I had him at about 100 yards last year across a creek. I couldn't get him pulled across the creek, but he's got one really – It's not. he's not that smart, but that old hen that he's got with him, she is slick. And he, she don't leave him. I swear, I she's think big too. It, you know, that's kind of you talking about that. That's what happened to me this year. If we just had one hen, just wear me out all year. She was smarter than hell, and of course, I ain't no much of a turkey hunter, so it wouldn't take much to outsmart me. But, but that's what you're battling. I've seen it more evident than ever the the amount of hen aggression, and I really have a a, a theory on what's going on this year and why everybody. I don't think it's I don't think there's a lack of gobblers for these guys that aren't hearing gobblers. I think the young hens, I think we had a really, really good hatch last year. We know that we had a really good hatch coming in off of deer season. Like there's a lot of birds. We had a lot of birds. We were really excited about this year and then it was just dead. Well, even till now, there's still hens with gobblers and that's been two months. Like all these hens should be on the nest. So the only thing that makes sense to me is, that great hatch has a ton of young, we've seen a ton of jakes. So there's a ton of young hens that aren't nesting this year, but they're still doing the deal and they're still hanging with those gobblers and they they got all the same aggression that a Jake would have via the hens. And I think they just got, I think we have a lot of birds. I think it's a good thing, but we got a ton of birds and that's why 
these gobblers aren't making a lot of noise because they're sitting there with five or six little young hens that they know they're going to mess with all day long and ain't going to the nest. That's a good theory. I mean, I never thought about that. But, you know, something we was talking about, we hadn't, other than your place, we haven't saw a lot of hens around here. But I did right. hear gobbles each time I went, but not a lot of gobblers. So who knows, man? I guess if you got a good heat, a uh, good a batch of hens, why would he gobble? He don't have to if he's sitting there looking right. at all of them. Right. And I had to, the unique perspective to spend three daylight till dark days in an amazing spot and watch turkey activity. Like I spent a lot of the day not calling because I quickly realized that it wasn't going to work. So like who sits in one spot and watches turkeys daylight till dark, mm-hmm. unless you're doing studies on them. You really don't. I've never done that before. I thought I was an idiot for doing it, but it was just the name of the game at that point. But I learned a ton this year. Here's an interesting question. I was talking about pecking order and, and we probably just would think just because the dominant gobbler has hooks and stuff, I would, I would go as far as to say he may not be the dominant turkey in that bunch if there's an older right. hen there. Right. She may right. be the top of the pecking order. I don't care if he's got an inch and a half spurs. Yeah. I mean, he's not looking yep. to fight her. I mean, he could, she could easily run him out of there just as easy as he could run right. her out of there, especially if she's got a nest nearby. I mean, you see how, yep. you seen how mad that one got the other day and she, how close she got to us. She did not want us there. No. Right. She wanted us right. gone. We will, we literally watched uh, a hen in the middle of a gas line standing within 15 foot of that bird. And she never even balked at mm-hmm. us standing there. No, she wanted us to go. So I yeah. could see, I could see a big do- dominant hen and I, I'm going to miss-say this, but I heard a podcast yesterday that said that they had a recording on a hen that was, I think, nine years old. Really? Yeah. Woo, that's an old Just hen. Think about what she's seen. That's, that's right. And I got more stories throughout the year of this hand aggression that I'm talking about. I saw it in multiple states. Um, I, I mean, I got stories of hens, hens that ran right up on me. I thought I could have grabbed them and tackled them and then killed the bird and let her go again. Like, it got <laughs> serious. But those are – here in a little while yeah. like, a couple states later well move on down to uh did you go home after that one rp no okay so uh i hunted with an outfitter in florida west shore outfitters with matt and um so i killed that bird and we get back and we were celebrating stuff and matt calls and says hey can you come down here tomorrow oh that was on so i killed on saturday i planned on hunting with richard on sunday and then leaving for florida on monday but Matt called and said, can you get down here tomorrow? We got a bird on a small piece of property and you're a solo hunter. So we can go ahead and hunt this small piece of property. And he's a really good bird. I'm like, yeah, shoot. I just killed. I'll shoot out in the morning. So I loaded up, shot out, got down there. Uh, just before dark, we went to the, it was like a 70 acre piece of property. We go out and sure enough, there's that bird walking across, pitches up on the roost. We got a good game plan, but he was off of the property we were allowed to hunt. So the closest setup we could make was still several hundred yards from him. But it felt good to show up in Florida and see a mature bird right off the bat. I'm like, hey, yeah, this is going to be good. So uh, go out in the morning, make a setup, beautiful chunk of property. It actually had a few little rolling hills. I was probably about 10 miles from Daytona Speedway. And, um, and they had palm trees in the middle of this cow pasture. It was just cool. It was a unique 
area to see. I've never hunted turkey hunted in a place like that, but uh, seen some jakes. That bird gobbled a few times, but he wasn't working. Uh, I, we really needed to make a move on him any closer, but we couldn't get any closer to him just because of the property line. So about lunchtime, I was hunting with uh, Cody, and about lunchtime, Matt called and was like, "Man, y'all got it done." Like, nah, bird wouldn't cooperate or whatever. He's like, all right, I'm going to bring you to the zoo. Like, oh, okay, what's the zoo? (laughs) We're going to hunt zebras? (laughs) Yeah, Cody's like, man, I ain't even never got to hunt the zoo, and I've been home with Matt forever. I'm like, awesome. All right, let's do this. So we roll over to the zoo, quote, unquote, the zoo, and they're like, you're going to see birds as soon as we go through the gate. This is midday, mind you. And sure enough, we go in. Here's a hen five yards from the truck. There's hens over there. We start walking down. Those guys reap some, and uh, we kind of thought that if desperate times call for desperate measures, we was going to reap birds. So I was cool with that. I don't care. I've never done it. I wanted to try it. We ease on down this road. They decide, let's make a setup. We set up on it. You've probably seen the video. I think everybody's seen the damn video. But So we set up. They set up across from me. I'm like, well, I got a leafy suit. I'll just tuck in this bush here. And they're looking probably 200 yards down one way of the road. I sat across so I could peek behind us and look about 150 yards down this other way. So it's about an hour set up, just a little bit of yelping, uh, not a lot, not a lot of calling. And I just peek down. I see a hen coming around the corner. So I'm like, here comes something. I look down. Sure enough, here comes big old long beard. Works his way right up, comes right up, walks four feet beside me and I'm all grim reaper mode, you know, not moving my head or nothing, letting get past me, walks out the decoys. Once his fan covers his head, draw on him, boom, game over. Osceola down on the first day. It was awesome. That was an awesome hunt, man, to have that bird walk. Like I had no shot. I couldn't shoot him in front of me because they're straight across from me. I couldn't shoot him. I had a bush that come out in front of me. So I'm looking through this bush I couldn't shoot back off my right hand shoulder. I had to wait till he walked past me and hope that he didn't spot me. Like just sitting on the side of the road, kind of wide open. It was, it was kind of weird, but it worked. Now you told me something RP when you were down there about, it was really a, a, when you shot, it was over. If you pulled the trigger, you'd said that it's that if you draw blood on a wound of bird, it's over with, you don't get another opportunity. You flop him, he and he gets up and runs off. He, you bought a turkey. <laughs> ORP beat the brakes off the bottom of them boots, son, chasing that turkey down. If you haven't seen the video, check it out. It's on his TikTok and Instagram. And he, he gloom, sets her off, and, I mean, it's game on. He gets up and runs down in the swamp and grabs that bird. So That's the yeah. best, that's well, the best picture. Technically, yeah. That picture is the best picture. I do that on around. every bird. I, oh, yeah. I run them down. You sitting there in that suit and, that, and then the fireball. Yeah. 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 yeah that's it. epic. Like, it was worth everything just to get that picture of the gobbler with me in the background. Like, that's an epic shot, man. That's a shot, a, a picture of a lifetime, you know? So, Osceola, check. Eastern, check. Yeah. So now it's the. Uh, Back home. Land. Yeah. You go. You My go. Lease. Yeah, so I went back home to my lease, and I was actually quite nervous about Rio's. Cause I know we got birds on there, but this was my first year to have this lease. It's my first year to hunt Texas Rio's. Like, if you've never been in West Texas, the it, it, 
from the landscape that we're used to, like you hunt the same lands I do, even if you're anywhere east of the Mississippi kind of looks a lot the same. You got timber, you got pines, you got some rolling hills, whatever. Right. But uh, out there, it it's different. Uh, and everybody says, oh, yeah, Rio's are easier and all this stuff. And I'm sure you go to a place where they're slap full of Rio's, and it may be. They're workable birds. They, they're vocal. They'll come into calls and stuff. That wasn't necessarily the case on my lease. <laughs> There's birds there, but they were super hand up. There was no green. It still looked, it was a super late winter there, just like it was everywhere else. So uh, that was, I had about a week off in between by the time, well, I hunted Louisiana with Ricky and Erica in between my time off. So I stopped in. Louise, you want to hear any of those stories? Oh, no, no. We're going we're gonna to okay. wait and circle up with them on those a later okay, day. Okay, because that's some epic stuff, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. Sorry, uh, Ricky. We're not going to let him tell the story for you. You're going to have to talk a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I got up, and I, I bought a bicycle because I knew – I already knew the way our property lays out. It's a Longhorn Steer Ranch, and we got about a mile and a half of river that runs through it. And that's the only place that we got what I'll call woods or brush country or whatever is along that river. Some of them get into a bigger patch. So we got 500 acres and probably 120 acres of it is woods. So I knew the birds could be super nomadic or would be super nomadic. So I got this bike and everything, which I didn't pull it out the first day. We go in and make a setup and my neighbor, my retired neighbor was with me, Bernie. And nothing couldn't hear a gobble dead silent like you should have been able to hear a gobble from five miles off we never heard a gobble and instantly i go into panic mode like oh this ain't gonna be good (laughs) but i'd done like every every stop other than florida i pretty much had as much time as i needed like i'd stay until it happened but so i had that kind of on my side well anyhow um about 11 o'clock gets there. I'm like, well, let's just get up and walk and talk. So we get up and we made it about a hundred yards and we get to our pond and we're kind of binoculars across the pond. And I look down the road and I see a bird walking straight up two tracks straight at us. And I'm like, Oh crap, get down, get down, get down. My, my neighbors, he's up in age. I won't call him old. He, he'll get mad at me if I call him old, but he's getting up in age. So he, He's trying to get down. I'm like, Bernie, just hit the damn ground. <laughs> he finally kind of falls over. I'm like, start rolling. Get over here in this grass with me. So he finally rolls over on the side of the road. And gets Shoot, he's probably worried about rattlesnakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there ain't no telling. But so uh, we get in the grass, and I, I'm like, well, I got to see if he is a gobbler. So I just, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, game on. Load pan, get it up. I had a break in the grass. Like, we're in some tall grass, but I had a break in the grass, and it gave me a 20-yard shot. I'm like, I could kind of see some of the road where I should have been able to see him coming. Two, three minutes go by, enough time that my excitement, I'm thinking, he's, he's got, he should be here. He should be here. So I just – he gobbles again about 60 yards. I'm like, okay, he's coming. We're good. I'm just sitting, 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 and finally, boom, he pops up, and he's right in that 20 yards. And instantly I'm like, oh shit, he ain't got no beard. So I hesitated. I'm like, he ain't got no beard. It's a Jake, but it's a giant. And he looks 14 feet tall because I'm laying down and he's up on top of the road and he's less than 20 yards, probably about 15. I'm like, he ain't got no beard. So he turns sideways 
and it happened really fast, but he turned sideways and I've seen like three or four hairs sticking out and they were probably seven, eight inches out off his chest. But by that time he stepped off the other side of the road, the roads up on a hill. I, I looked back at Bernie. I was like, he's a gobbler, but he ain't got no beard. You want to shoot him? I'm like, we probably won't get him up here where I can get a shot. But if we can get him to step back up about 30, 40 yards, you shoot him. He's like, yeah, I'll shoot him. I'm like, all right. So I went to hammer it on him. <laughs> he's gobbling like right on the other side of the road from us. I'm like, get ready. So I put my gun down. We're both laying kind of parallel to each other in this grass. And I put my gun down. And I'm kind of both hands on it. It's facing the road. And I lean to turn around behind us so I can watch this because I can hear he's going to pop up behind us. My binoculars fall off my chest. I had the gun on half cock. The binoculars hit the hammer and the gun goes, Skadoosh! Oh my gosh. <laughs> and it's nothing but an explosion underneath me. And I'm like, thank God, you know, trains, guns always in a safe direction. Everything was good that way. But like I was in shock because I thought it exploded in my face. So I looked at Bernie. I'm like, dude, am I bleeding? What happened? He's like, I don't know. I don't see no blood. And I'm like pulling my sleeves up, checking my arms. I'm like, I'm good. I'm like, well, where's the gun? <laughs> like, we're looking around. There's no gun. And I looked down and it had done blew down the hill about five feet. It's down the hill below us. So holy crap, dude, it was wild. So the whole so shot guess, went off and all. Oh, everything. Yeah, it it went off. The gun went off, which so, is not real stereotypical for a flintlock. Usually it's a challenge to try to get them to go off. <laughs> Damn pot bomb so, just went off in his lap. So now the bird's yeah. in Louisiana. Yeah, the bird's gone. Like, we're in shock. We're just thankful to be okay and everything's fine. So I get the gun and I'm trying to figure out, like, it keeps activating it half cocked i'm like god dang what's wrong well there's only two bolts that go through the lock i go to twisting on them and one of them was probably one full turn loose so i guess it just had it to where that half cock wouldn't catch i got that all worked out and we walk on and start walking and about 10 minutes later then it hit me what just happened man i got sick to my stomach i'm like dude i gotta sit down this ain't this is real stuff i could have killed somebody you know all the emotions started to hit me after the shock kind of wore off but anyhow everything was good that's that's why we train our kids and we practice i'm thankful that my dad constantly ingrains that in your head because accidents are accidents you don't really know what could happen i mean that's a gun that's not supposed to go off imagine what a gun that just a stick or something hits the trigger because you forgot to put the safety on or what have you. So do you use a binocular a, uh, harness or anything? No, no. I just have some old Disneyland <laughs> binoculars so I can see about a hundred yards. I'm, I ain't real fancy, man. I, mean, I shoot a football. <laughs> Come on. I wear a leafy suit everywhere. I ain't got no fancy camo or nothing. For everyone is guessing right now, he's in his underwear in a leafy suit. We're talking to him on a Zoom <laughs> call. So. <laughs> Man, don't give all my secrets away. <laughs> well, and you know so, that that wow, I I appreciate you saving that story because he hadn't told me that one yet. <laughs> yep, yep, yeah, and it, uh, that's just your PSA for the for this episode is uh, <laughs> practice gun safety. What did Bernie say when it happened? Uh, he was in less shock than I was because it everything perspective is everything in a situation like that. It was all fine. He's a mature dude like he kind of calmed me down coached me through it it's fine everything's fine you did the right thing everything's good you know whatever but i was freaking out does uh does the rio 
now at this point in the trip, and that's got under your skin a little bit then. Yeah, now I'm really freaking out. Like, I just blew it. Right. I just passed a bird because here I am all, I don't want to shoot a Jake. Like, I don't know why that set in. Normally, like, I shouldn't have been that way. It's, it's, I'm not advocating to go out there and shoot Jake's, but it's okay to shoot them when it's legal. Like do what, do you, you know, and here I passed an opportunity for what I thought was and wasn't just because I haven't experienced a bunch of beard rot. And I've never been up close and personal with birds with right. beard rot. And I've soon learned that there's a bunch of Rios that have beard rot that taught me a very valuable lesson right there, right off the jump. I'm like, okay, game on. <laughs> Don't you come in here with a full fan boy. Cause you're dead. <laughs> so, so go ahead. Uh, I was just going to lead on to the story. So the day two, um, I set up in the middle of the property, not far from where we split up to kind of get a better idea of if we weren't here in gobbles, like I didn't even know what Rio's would sound like as far as distance was concerned. I didn't know what those woods would do for, you know, being flat land. We're up in the middle of cotton fields. So there's no woods at all other than along these rivers. Right. So, um, day two, there's birds lighting up everywhere. I mean, there's gobblers gobbling. There's 30 down here in a group. There's probably 10 in a group over here. There's a group of eight back here. Well, I'm in total freak out mode. I, I, I jog and run everywhere in Turkey woods. So Bernie's on this side where most of the birds were. I'm like, screw it. I'm going to run back to these ones. So I take a three quarter of a mile jog. Where's that bicycle at? I didn't have it out. I learned a quick lesson. (laughs) It's in the back of the truck, but I didn't have it out in the woods with me, which I was kicking myself in the butt. So I run, run all the way back and realize it's a group of jakes. I'm like, ah, screw it. So I run back down. I get to the other way. And I realized Bernie's nowhere close to these birds. I'm going to try to make a move on these birds. I run down to them. And at this point, I've done ran a mile and a half to only get to the end of our property and realize the birds are still another half a mile from me. Like you can hear a gobble forever. (laughs) Day two was a flop. Uh, We go to church. Well, I say day two was a flop. The morning of day two was a flop. We go to church come back from church. I go get in the blind and it, I say I got in the blind cause it was so hot. There was no leaves on the trees. I couldn't get out of the sun and it was burning me up, but I could not be in the woods. So I got in one of our deer stands, opened all the windows, threw a decoy out and laid on the floor and just took a nap. And I'm like, if something happens out here, I'll hear it. At least I'm in the woods. At least I'm hunting. Well, Suzanne calls me and is like, Hey, I got a calf birthing. Can you come up here and help me pull it? It's been like three hours. Okay. Yeah. No problem. Well, I had to bike at this point. So I did to do out there on the old bicycle. <laughs> we tend to the calf and we got to sit there. It's right on the edge of the pond and we're sitting and the whole time I think, oh, I got to get back in the woods, but making sure this calf's good, all this stuff. Well, finally we get the calf moved away from the pond. I'm like, well, I'm going to take a little ride down around here, scope some fields, ease down. I get in my truck and then I pull on down past one of these fields, four hogs, four deer and four lone gobblers standing <laughs> in the field about 150 yards off and i'm like you're dead turn around come back past them again the deer and the uh hogs had done left they see my truck and they left the gobblers are still out there so i throw on all my stuff grab the flinter no camera nothing i'm really kicking myself in the butt because that's the one bird that i don't have on camera i run down cross the creek i get up alongside the road and i get to the corner of the uh 
of the field, well, it's got like six mesquite trees that separate me from them. So I was able to kind of creep up and I got one of the, um, uh, the vests that have the chairs kind of built in to them, you know, when you lean back, the, the legs catch it, but I didn't have the seat flipped down. So anyhow, I, I done gave them a call, got their attention and they're coming. And then one of them goes to strutting and they're fighting for, for position to come 150 yards and closing. Well, there's nothing but like a half a dozen mesquite trees separating me from them. Well, I go to start leaning back and it never stops. And I keep leaning back and keep leaning back. And <laughs> Boom! Like, oh, Flintlock went off again. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got steady leaning back. And at this point, I'm in like a half a sit up. And he's, I'm watching them running to me. So I'm drawled up. Everything's good. Cocked back. I'm ready to rock and roll, except I'm in half a sit up and my whole body's quivering because I'm just holding a half a crunch. You know what I mean? And they're coming and I'm thinking they're going to come around the mesquite trees and give me about a 20 yard shot textbook. No, that's not what happens. They charge straight through the mesquites, continue to come at me. And I shot at like four feet. Oh God. And I'm shaking and I, I actually tried to split split them i was going to shoot two with one shot it's legal in texas i was going to try to kill two of them so the the strutter and the other one that was battling for position i just put it between their heads and pulled the trigger (laughs) so all four birds run off and i'm like oh my god well they're gobbling so i go to reload and i'm calling calling and they're gobbling and they're gobbling i'm like oh i got a chance so in my mind i'm thinking i'm gonna slip down the creek catch a different angle because they're not going to come right here again doing whatever i get reloaded i go to load my pan and i look up in the field and i see some feathers blowing across the field and i'm like okay i jump out run out in the field and sure enough there's one laying dead and the other ones are beating on it i done breasted him and he was dead like oh sweet well grab that bird whatever that was texas uh rio check (laughs) rio check three down then let me ask you a question before you start this one yeah. Which one was you might already answered this before. Which one were you most nervous about? Uh my Eastern first and my Rio. Okay. My Rio mainly because it was new property and it was all like I was by myself. I didn't have like I normally hunt with people. I hunt with all my friends because I call for everybody or you know, we call together or what have you, but I like to hunt. I turkey hunt with people. I normally don't do a lot of hunting by myself because I don't care to kill birds. So I knew I was Texas was pretty much going to be a hundred percent on me and don't really get to do the high fives afterwards or what have you. Yeah. Most Eastern, people, most people say Osceola is the reason I was going to, I was reason asking that because that's the only place you can go kill one of them. They oh. gave me total faith. Like I called gotcha. around a couple of outfitters and nobody really wanted to give me the time of day when they found out what I was doing. They're okay. like, man, they're trying to get people in and get them out. But Matt was pumped. Like, he was like, oh, we're going to get this done. It's going to cool. happen. That's cool so that they were that way. He, he really gave me a lot of confidence, which he's he's got uh, – I want to say he's got a Grand Slam pistol kill. They they hunt with re- recurves and stuff down there. So they're all about doing it unorthodox ways. Okay. And he was really, really interested to uh, see the planter what was get the name something of, done. What was the name of that outfitter, RP? West Shore Outfitters. West Shore. Yeah. Yeah, right there around Daytona Beach. Good guys. Really good guys. Check them out if you're into blowguns, spears, sling bows, <laughs> shit like that. If you want to try something different out, sounds like those are the guys to go to. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, not going to the Rio, I guess now, right? Mary. Well, that was Mary. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Next. 
yeah. So I had about a two and a half week break or two week break, which I once again was back in Louisiana. We was not, you know, doing damage over there. We won't get into that story, but, uh, smacking so them. <laughs> yeah, we were smacking. So I had to Nebraska. I was hunting with Nate, Nate Smithson. He, uh, he actually just had the, um, uh, Sydney Wells and uh, Barstool. the Barstool guys. Yeah, they were just out there and hunted with him the week before. And you're actually and, tell tell that story real quick about what you're doing with those guys. If you uh, can, making them some knives. They 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 had never uh, they had never killed anything or hunted or anything, and they freaked out. Well, they no they bought knives at all. Huh. Yeah, they've never. They had to take their hunter safety courses before they left to go out there like uh chicago dave and or white Sox dave and I, I don't really remember their names now but anyhow yeah they never never hunted anything and i think they stopped and got some some uh gas station knives on the way there and they were unpacking their camo like literally taking it out of the packaging and stuff when they got to the hotel and uh these are guys so they kept with barstool barstool outdoors Sydney yeah with, and well they're with barstool sports okay oh like okay Sydney does the barstool outdoor stuff so she takes the barstool sports guys and introduces them into hunting stuff so it's I'm, i think that segment's called out of the office so the barstool is owned by the guy that always does the reviews on pizza portnoy right? dave portnoy yeah he always does a yeah. pizza yeah yeah. Right? yeah 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 yep Ahead, but they, they had some knives that they bought from the gas station and they forgot them. Well, they got out and killed these birds and they never, they didn't have a knife, but Nate had his spur knife there. And he's like, well, I guess we're cleaning birds with this. And they lost their minds when they saw it. They're like, that's a real turkey leg. So I got all the birds that they killed. I got all their legs here. They want knives out of all of it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Anyway, but, uh, sorry, I had to yeah. I had to get that story out there because I thought it was pretty cool that you yeah. got hooked up with those guys to make them knives. Yeah. And well, wait a minute, me... hold on, time out. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, you're good. Go. During all of this going on, and, and there's some story about the knife that went on at NWTF. Um, rewind, and you had actually donated a knife to a, an individual that gave it to a, a, a was it a four star or a five star general this yeah, year so to, to, who who was that uh, with uh that was cuz with the that wounded warrior uh hunt. it's not wounded warrior it's the vet hunt that kicks off turkey season every year in florida and uh he gave it to mr randy west which is he was a general 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 rand yeah General Randy West. Pretty, yeah, it's pretty, pretty awesome. neat story there to have. Very, very. It's very cool to have. It's, it's an honor to have somebody like that reach out and thank me. I'm like, there, you don't thank me for anything. Right. Like this is exactly what I wanted this knife to do. This is exactly it. Just a token of my appreciation. A very, very, very small token of my appreciation. Yeah, I thought that was very yep. neat because and Cuz had posted pictures of him giving it to him and everything this year, and that was that was pretty cool. All right, yeah. <laughs> I just I keep bouncing around on stuff because I think there's so much to tell in it that happened there this is. year for you. There and, is squirrel. Yeah, exactly. I'm bad about that. So, uh, Eastern check. Yep. Osceola yeah. check. Rio check. 
We're Miriam well, Brown let me now. Let me bounce oh, all the God, way back out to my thought process. Once I killed that bird, uh, in my Eastern, in a fashion that I never killed it, I seen an opportunity. I was like, I'm going to kill a bird every way you can. So I killed one without calling out of a blind, kind of deer hunting it, basically. And then I killed a bird in Florida, calling with decoys. And then I killed my Rio with no call and no decoys, like just vocals. And then I had an opportunity to reap turkeys for the first time in Nebraska. So I did the spectrum with a flintlock. I thought that was a pretty unique opportunity to be able to do it in a single So you year. did kill one in Nebraska. Thanks for running the story, RP. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just yeah, kidding. I killed, I killed three in Nebraska. So <laughs> oh, let's go to Nebraska. Um, yeah, so we – it, it, it didn't come easy. I'll put it to you that way. Every other stop, it was a challenge to get a bird in front of you. The shot went perfectly fine. Everything was textbook as far as the shot and killing a bird. And it was just the challenge of getting a bird in front of you. Nebraska was polar opposite. There was no lack of birds, plenty of problems trying to get one on the ground. So the very first bird, we spot him. He waited for him to get out of sight, go down. Nate's a freaking wizard at reaping. And for everybody that's never done it, I know it's a topic of discussion now. Love it, hate it, whatever. It's not – you don't just walk out there and flash a fan and a bird comes running into you. It, it's a challenge. It's exhausting. It's a lot of crawling. Like, if that's the way you're going to hunt, there's effort that goes into that too. Get you some knee for pads. Sure. <laughs> knee pad, you better be ready to run. Out there, that's big country. I know you've seen some of the pictures. Like, I was blown away at the lack of trees. There's no freaking trees. It's all little bitty cedar trees and big, crazy rolling hills with these ravines that have all these fingers that run into them. It's nuts. But anyhow, I seen where reaping would be the most effective, and that's what we were doing. So anyhow, first bird. He steps out of the steps out of sight. We go down, pop up on him. We're about 65 yards from him. He spins, starts to come in, but flank starts flanking us. He's about 40 yards out. Well, Nate's like, that's as close as he's gonna get. Take a shot. Okay. Payow. Smooth missed him. Like 40 yards. I knew it was too far, but hey, we're gonna have ample opportunities. Like, I'll try. Burning power. Didn't work. <laughs> that was a giant. That was a giant. So beautiful white on him big old beard big thick beard he was a stud and i was pretty upset for the first bird i was upset about it so anyhow we go on um second bird we spot him we come down through these cedars nate goes to work him he was going to drag them past me to where i could shoot them as they came out well they didn't come out he's nate's about 20 yards down off to my right and i'm ready like holding this 40 pound block of steel out in front of me <laughs> nothing 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 i finally look over at him like what's going on he's like turn around they're coming the other way i spin around waiting 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 finally i look at him and he's like they're straight above you I'm like all right well he comes up next to me he's like they're like 10 yards on the other side of these cedars he could see them through them He's like, let's take two steps inside these cedars. We should be able to see them. Well, we do. We take two steps in. I draw on them. They're probably 10 yards, eight yards, something like that. They're right there. I'm like, it's too thick, Nate. I can't shoot through this. He's like, just take a shot. Like, I, 
it's not a toy. He's to his defense, like he's used to shotguns. He, he ain't never even been around a flintlock before. Like, I can't take the shot. Well, finally, I seen a hole where maybe I could, you know, my brain wanting to shoot a turkey thinks, oh, yeah, I can do that. He's like, shoot it. So I pull the trigger. Well, Nate's face is right here on my right side. Like, right here on my right side. Well, he goes to, ah. Oh. Like, <laughs> I drop the gun, and I'm on top of him, like, grabbing his head. Holy shit. Are you? I knew. Exactly. Like, we already discussed it. Yeah. I said, do not be on my right side. Cannot be on my right side. Da, 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 da. Well, it, it went down. So I, I'm freaking trying to pry his eyes open. He's like, I'm I'm good. I can see. Did you get the turkey? <laughs> Screw that turkey. I got it. Let me see. His eye, man, he had powder burns inside his eyeball on the side. Like, it was bad. Didn't get that turkey. So there's two misses for you. So we go, uh, we, we find another bird strutting with one hand. Round a round a hill, come around, pop up on him, full strut, runs right in, payow, dead bird. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was Jake, oh, which it's fine. I'm good. Slam's complete. Like it is what it Miriam, is. Miriam, check. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah Miriam, check. But there was still a little part of me that was like, ah, I, I couldn't really triumph because it wasn't a mature bird, you know, but I was extremely ecstatic to be able to do it. Weight was off my shoulders. So throw that bird in. Um, we actually end up getting on another bird that day. This is all the first day, mind you. We end up getting on another bird or two birds out in this field. Get around on the bottom side of them, pop up on them. They weren't coming in. Like they ended up going out of the out of this fence and strutting on the field about 30 yards from us. But it was one of those things like this is as close as they're going to get 30 yards. It was right close to my, what I wanted to do. I pop up by y'all. Nope. Didn't happen. I shot. I pulled very, very bad. I shot probably 10 yards in front of them. But uh, in retrospect, this next story kind of leads into why I feel like I missed that one. My delay. I didn't pick up on it, but my delay was getting a lot worse because I was having all that black powder tar building up on my flint, and I was having a lot of soot building up on my frizzle. So I wasn't getting the ignition or the ignition time like I wanted. So that evening, we knew where some birds were roosting. Get in there. There's a bird in there strutting in the bottom already. We made a move on him. Same thing. Nate's going to drop in the bottom and drag him past me. This one's on video. Um, bird comes out 15 yards. Click, click, click. Missed him. Or, well, didn't miss him, but misfired three times on that bird. He was a really good bird. So three misses, a misfire, and a Jake on day one. So <laughs> it was done, but it wasn't done. You know, I still had two more tags, and I was fired up. I had that giant bird in the back of my head. And I had a mature gobbler with my flintlock. So I done told Nate, if we get on that, or day two comes around, we find that big bird again. And I missed the first Now, did day. you clean your gun that night? Did I you did go not. in? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. After the misfire? Yeah. yeah, I cleaned everything up. It was still loaded. I reloaded right away. Or no, it was it misfired, so it was still loaded. Mm-hmm. But I put a new flint in, cleaned everything up. It, it was ready to go. Um, so the next day... We, we got on two birds, and neither one of them wanted to play the game. 
we made a two mile hike to this one bird just to realize he wasn't going to come that closer than a hundred yards. And then we got on that big bird again. And I done told Nate, if I get on that bird again, I'm bringing the, I'm bringing the, uh, no, that was after. So we got on the big bird again with the flintlock and he, we got him to about a hundred yards and that was it. So after that, I'm like, if we get on that big bird again, I'm bringing him off bird. Like <laughs> I got to get that bird. He's a stud. So day three, uh, nothing happened. We end up finding that big bird again. Got, was able to get pop up on him about 60, 65 yards. And I dumped him with the Mossberg at about 65 yards. So it wasn't like he wasn't playing the game. It wasn't coming in, nothing like there wasn't a really exciting story on that one other than I got the big bird. And then, uh, so we leave that bird and I end up spotting another strutter and like six jakes way down in this bottom. So the only approach on them was to drive like two miles down the road, a half a mile across and two miles back up. So we put ourselves basically a half a mile from those birds, but they were in a, in a draw that had three trees at the top of it. And there's really not trees there. So it was a good landmark. So we run across a cornfield, go down through a bottom, come back up, run across this other field. And we're like two fingers down from them. So we ease up. They weren't trying to play the game either. Like they, we ended up spooking a hen. The hen ran off up a hill. We ease up on them, waited on them to get out of sight, pop up over the hill about 60 yards. And they were looking uneasy. And Nate's like, can you gobble with your mouth? It's like, yeah. He said, do it. So I said, <laughs> and that bird, that wasn't a very good gobble. It sounded a little better than that. But that bird turns around, full strut, comes in. I busted him with the planter at like eight steps. So. Wow. That was it. Got a mature bird with the uh, with the flinter to really cap off the grand slam. So the whole trip, what's the what's the one thing that that stuck out in your mind through the entire trip most? Uh, the lessons learned on the easterns, like not uh, this year, and part of it is why we had such success in. Uh, Mississippi, like coming back and hunting with Ricky and them. Right. Like we both were taking all this, this knowledge on and using it. Right. And it was the lack, the lack of goblin. I, I don't care if I know there's birds there. I do not care about goblin anymore. And that never existed in my body leading up to this point. Like I have to hear goblin. I got to get on a gobbler, a goblin gobbler. And the hen aggression, like knowing when not to call it off. Like, Seasons like this, you might have to make setups in places they want to be or get in front of them and wait on them to come by or spit and drum or right. do different kinds of calls that I've never done before. You might have to do that kind of stuff because some years they're going to be weird. Fair enough. I got a question for the shooting straight, Alex. Okay. We'll I go. wanted to wait to the end to do this because yeah. the question is going to I wanted to wait till I didn't want to do it halfway between. So, all right, we'll right. go into it. This week's shooting you straight brought to you by land specialist Cal Hardy with Whitetail Properties. If you're looking to buy or sell land in the Northwest Georgia area, give our boy Cal a call. 770-296-2163. Day or night. All right, Nicholas, hit us with it, old buddy. I, I didn't want to ask this question halfway through because I didn't I wanted you to finish telling the story, but 
now that you finished this RP, what else do you want to challenge? I mean, what's your next challenge? Uh, well, I'm going to try to get mule deer tags in a couple states. I'm going to try to get an elk tag. It's just a bunch of flintlock hunting. I got an all dad hunt coming up in the very near future. So I'm not a hundred percent sure that anybody's even ever killed an all dad with a flintlock. So basically just do a bunch of flintlock hunting. I thought he said an all dad hunting. <laughs> like he was going on an all dad hunting trip. An all dad? Yeah. Oh. yeah. Like he was going on an outing with a bunch of dads. <laughs> that was a big dad bod hunting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, you remember us talking about all dads uh, with, uh, it may have been, I don't remember who it was here recently. We were talking about all dads, but. It's pretty <laughs> all day. I didn't realize they were, they're like a super slick animal. Real, you eat one? Real hard to hunt. Have you ever eaten? No, I've never ate one. Oh, man. I heard it's great. Yeah, they say they're amazing. Some of the best meat there is out there. So, so you're, you I'll could possibly you be on the pursuit of every North American big game with the flintlock. Is that what you're saying? There's no telling. There's no telling. Like, you how might many, be planting a seed that. How many different species yet. are there of North Amount? North American. I don't know, but I will find out while you're talking to him. Go ahead, Jamie. Uh, look, look, up. Up, uh, look that up, young Jamie. <laughs> I don't know. That would be a lot, though. I mean, you'd have to start applying for a lot of tags because some of those you can't even, like, we're, when we had that um, Greg McHale on, you can't even, like, yeah. like the, the mountain goats and stuff. Some states it takes forever to get them. Once in a lifetime. I've had some of those goat guys tell me that if I did it with a flintlock, sometimes when you apply with uh, specialty type weapons like that, that you take priority. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Yep. Yeah. So because uh, somebody had mentioned to me about the goat slam, the grand slam of goats or whatever, and, uh-huh. which I've never had any desire to hunt a goat. I yeah, I'm not, I'm not a good enough shape to be doing that kind of stuff. So yeah, um, but now it's definitely piqued my interest. Twenty but, uh, twenty-nine animals in uh, North America. Oh, that's doable. The black bear, grizzly bear, Alaskan brown bear, a polar bear. A I'm out. <laughs> uh, a cougar, white-tailed deer, coos deer, mule deer, Sitka black-tailed deer, and a Columbia black-tailed deer. Rocky Mountain elk, Roosevelt elk, Tull elk, mountain caribou, woodland caribou, Quebec Labrador caribou, barren ground caribou, Central Canadian barren ground caribou, Canada moose, Alaska Yukon moose, Shira's moose, a bison, a musk musk ox, American mountain goat. Pronghorn antelope, and now you get into the fun ones. The doll sheep, stone fanon sheep, Rocky Mountain bighorn, or California bighorn, uh, and a desert bighorn. And there's four auxiliary animals if you were interested in hunting. Uh, a jaguar, an Atlantic walrus, a Pacific walrus, and a wolf. So... Hold on, let me Yeah, you got a lot to go with. Quick. RP. That's, a, my, that's my the North... That, that is the here. super slam of North American big game. Wow. Yeah, with, a, ex- with a flintlock. That um, just sounds expensive. The guy that completed <laughs> get the... get making knives. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of knives. The guy that completed that flintlock slam before, do you still it have... It was con- a woman. Oh, it was a woman. Do you still have contact yep. with her? Or have you I had never con- talked to her. I've oh. never talked to her. All I did was read an article, and she was the first person to ever do the world slam with a flintlock. But she still is the only person to ever do... The world slam so that's a gold and an oscillated well that's going to be my next question since you live in texas are you planning that 
Uh, I definitely want to get a Goulds. Um, I'm not much on leaving the States, so until things get a little bit better. Understand. I don't know. You got to get that warm, fuzzy feeling about crossing that border before you're going to see me over there. That's right. I understand that. I think you should go and hunt an iguana with a flintlock. That probably wouldn't be that difficult. No, not no. as many as there are. Probably not. Yeah. No. I don't know. I, make that call. Um, I could probably make that call. I had a flintlock question. What was I going to ask? Oh, the flintlock, when you're shooting that, did you notice because that flintlock has like a hesitation, really, I guess you could say, did you notice that the birds would duck or make a move? No, it's not even that much of a hesitation. Okay. Like when a gun's clean properly and everything's – how it should be as long as your powder's dry and all that stuff. Uh, there's not really a hesitation. It's quick. I see an RP Scritchfield shirt. Keep your powder dry. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Scritchfield knives. Keep your powder dry. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. RP, the you know, and you've been on here before, so we're not going to hit you with the, the same questions we have, but has it changed you as a hunter going on this journey? Yeah, it really has. Like, I appreciate it just makes you appreciate everything even more. I already had a great appreciation for the, for the Turkey world and the, just the Turkey woods in general, but uh, it made me do things in the Turkey woods that I wouldn't have done. I didn't ever sat daylight till dark and just watch birds in a blind. And the amount of knowledge that I acquired over this, this year, man, it probably would have took me 10 years to get that amount of knowledge, just hunting the way I used to. You know, it, uh, I don't know. We kill more birds and I say we collectively, you know what I'm talking about, but, uh, we kill more birds in afternoon and evening, like by far a large percentage, probably over 75% of the birds were afternoon and evening. It's pretty, pretty impressive there. You've been hunting a long time. So I'm going to ask you one of those questions I didn't ask you before. What's the strangest thing you've ever seen outdoors? Uh, either strange. I mean, I I got a crazy hunting story. (laughs) That's fine. It was pretty strange. So, I guess it's been probably two or three years. Me and Hunter Miller used to hunt together, and we we were hunting this property and working a bird, but he kept going, kept pushing away from us. Well, we'd run from ridge to ridge. We was able to like double back and loop down on these ridges as they were crossing. We was just steady trying to get ahead of him and finally got ahead of him, but watched him go, watched him pass. We were sitting on a tree in the middle of the road. The road split around it. And I just kind of tossed my lay down hand out to the side of us just to give him something to take his eyes off of us. It's not, but five feet from us. Well, we watched all the birds cross. It's done over with. We're like, all right, let's get up and go. He said, I got to take a leap. Like, all right, we'll do it. He's taking a leap, standing in a tree in the middle of the road, facing down where the birds were and i go to get up and i kind of put my gun on my lap and i get about halfway up the tree and you know you kind of use your butt and lean against the tree and get up i get about halfway and i look down and i see a bird walking straight at us i'm like holy crap here comes a bird he's like dude i'm taking a leap like don't move don't move (laughs) hundred yards and coming i'm like i can't tell if it's a gobbler well finally i see that old rope swinging back and forth i'm like oh my god it's the gobbler so he's standing there with his manhood in his hand facing this bird. The bird walks up and gets five feet from us on that 
lay down hand. And finally I, we were talking back and forth and I just looked down at my gun. I'm like, I'm gonna click safety off and look down, get my hands right. You just tell me what's going on. He's like, all right, he's 10 yards. He's five yards. He's on the decoy. I'm like <laughs> what side of the decoy? He's like, well, he's on the right side of it. I'll tell you when he goes behind it, when to shoot. Finally, he's like, he's moving, he's moving, shoot. And I just come up and boom, and flop that bird at five feet right beside us with <laughs> Hunter with his. I hope you didn't turn him around and give him a hug. You <laughs> <laughs> could do that high five. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> put that beard up, son. I ain't hugging that one. Hope y'all didn't sword fight. <laughs> oh, my so That was pretty wild turkey experience. You ever, that's almost a two-part question the way I've been asking it, but have you ever seen anything that wasn't supposed to be there in the outdoors? Uh, that one. I'm that, sure I got a crazy story, but nothing's really sticking in my mind right now. That one that uh, Greg told us was a funny one. But, anyways, RP. I saw Bigfoot one time. No, I'm just kidding. RP, it's, it's been good to have you back, man. Yeah, and, uh, it's good to see you guys. Um, yeah, and I, I, you know, I just wanted to say thanks for everything. You know, you've helped us out with the KT team, and it's been it's been a, a privilege for us to be able to, you know, get to be friends with you guys over there. Especially, you know, not pointing anybody out in particular, but especially you. You know, you and I've had a lot of conversations at night, chit chatting, and and I've really enjoyed that. And you know, thanks for the support to us. I mean, we've we've, gosh, we've had so many good, you know, interactions, whether it be on social media or in text messages or anything. And, you know, I, the future is nothing but up. And we are we are very blessed and fortunate to be able to help share that story and you allow us to, to be able to share it with our, our listeners because it, yeah, is, it is cool, man. It is awesome. We love it and we appreciate you, buddy. I'm glad it's, I'm glad it's of interest to people. <laughs> I'm really well, we needed we needed some forward. contact filler, you know. We needed some filler content. <laughs> when, you, when you come yeah. to Georgia, y'all tell me. Y'all get that new studio figured out. Hey, and, uh, you and you and Nancy are welcome anytime. Just let us know. Yep, tell Cody. He'll be excited that uh, he'll have a smoking buddy. Oh, uh, we kicked him out. Yeah, we ran him off. <laughs> we ran him to Utah. We've already ran him out to Utah. Smart. That's Smart. where he's at. You know, he's 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 actually really? leaving tomorrow morning, headed to Utah. So. Nice. When does that season be, close out? Uh, his closes Saturday. Yeah, so I don't know when it closes. Oh, okay, yeah. he's just out there for a short stint. But this episode yeah. will drop way after he gets back. So, yeah, awesome. We're gonna give well, we're gonna give him hail. That's for sure. All right, RP. Yeah, we got to run. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks buddy. Guys. Yep, Appreciate we'll be it. talking soon. And uh, you know, like I said, everybody go over and check out the the KT team giveaway that RP's helping us out with. And uh, if you YouTube. Gotta, YouTube. Yeah, go watch like, YouTube. Subscribe. Yeah. Leave us a review. <laughs> leave us a review if you will. Leave us a review on Apple, for heaven's sakes. We'll give you a hat if you leave us a good one. Yeah, we need to do a contest on that. RP. We'll do it. Oh, we got to send him a new hat. His, we'll, his tore up on we'll do it. Oh, I tore it up. <laughs> you go leave us hell. a good review. We'll uh, we'll let you come over to Alex's. And Have I not left podcast. a good review already? I'm the, I'm the only fan you got. <laughs> he's left like a half dozen reviews on there that's where all those random names come from so. yeah, that's right if you hadn't already make sure you go over and check out scritchfield knives he's got some awesome stuff coming along and uh there's gonna be some exciting stuff coming from those guys over on the uh over on the tennessee or excuse me texas and uh louisiana border uh y'all pay attention to that it's gonna be real cool to watch so for everyone here at talk about it outdoors thanks for coming and being with us again and remember, smile as you go, but don't forget, mouth the memories.
Building the foundation of your life starts at the base, and the stronger it is, the better. Talk About It Outdoors is proud of our strong partnership with United Concrete and Paving and the foundation of support they provide. Whether your new home being built needs concrete work or that driveway you're tired of beating all the bearings from your pickup needs a paving, Michael and his team can provide any residential or commercial project support you might need from the ground up. If you're tired of tripping over that unsettled patio slab or a future shop build needs a smooth start, United Concrete and Paving can get you going when you need it most. Give them a call at 404-831-3036 and make sure you tell them them TAI boys are where you heard it first. A few years back, when an overbearing and overgrown backyard became an eyesore, I looked for a solution to resolve. LRS Land Services created a stunning and complete transformation turnkey at an affordable price with their mulching services. Not limited to mulching, LRS can provide turnkey grading and clearing, maintenance, right-of-way clearing, and even development for any and all forestry needs. With an innovative outlook on what is best for your land and a completely different approach than others, LRS can transform your overgrown eyesore into a beautiful landscape of your dreams. Give them a call at 404-889-1105 or check their work out on Facebook at LRS Land Services. Logan and his team are ready to make your land brand new again. Are you in need of a decluttering barn or garage slap full of stuff you just don't need? Or is your construction site needing a dumpster? Give our buddy Tony at Georgia Junk and Dumpster Rental a call. With services ranging from junk removal to roll-offs, Georgia Junk is here to help with any and all removal needs. If it's time to get that parking spot back or the boat needs a place inside, Tony and his team can surely assist. Servicing Cherokee, Cobb, Bartow, and surrounding counties, give them a call at 404-406-3501 or check them out on Facebook at Georgia Junk. Clean up the yard in short order with Georgia Jones. 